everybody, and welcome to the Land Grant Podcast Network's Instant Recap Podcast for Ohio State's massive 20-12 victory over the Penn State Nittany Lions. I am Matt Tamanini. I am leading you here today all by myself, as everybody else has apparently uh, out there partying too much to be able to join me here on the post-game show. But I want to get this out first. This is a game where multiple things can be true at once. Is Penn State's offense terrible? Probably yes. But that does not mean that Ohio State's defense is not incredible. They showed that they did everything that Jim Knowles said they would do when he got to Columbus, and then what he said he was going to improve after last season. This defense is absolutely legit. Though, on the other side, we can say that we should be, as fans, incredibly excited about this victory. And it should give us tons of excitement about what this team could potentially do down the stretch. However, there is reasonable things to be concerned about on the offensive side of the ball. These two things can work together. And we will talk about the things that Ohio State's offense needs to get better at. But you cannot go into this game and expect it to be a slugfest and then defer it to come out the way that it did. I know Penn State got it to one score at the end. They ended up moving the ball on that final drive. But if you are not coming out of this game with the number one thing being that Ohio State's defense is legit, then you are either blind, biased, or looking for something to gin up some more storylines. Because what JT Twimlowow and uh, that entire defensive line really did against Drew Aller in the Penn State offense was incredible. I mean, and, and we're in the moment here, so I'm not going to be able to go back and like look at stats and, and compare it to other things. But I think it's historic. Like, I think this type of performance where they were 0 for their first 15 on thirds down, the only third down conversion that they had in the game was on that final drive. They did have a, I think it was a pass interference or maybe, oh, I think it was the uh, the face mask was on third down uh, in the third quarter or maybe early in the fourth quarter. But they only converted one for one third down. And that is something that has been an issue for Ohio State on defense throughout the year. They have gotten better uh, as the season has progressed. They've also gotten better with it on offense. They were six for 16 on offense. Not great, but not bad against the defense that came in uh, as one of the best in the country. Tackles for loss. Ohio State had eight for 45 yards. Obviously, a lot of them came late in the game as Drew Aller was really kind of just scrambling for his for his life. But that team, that defense was just lights out. I don't know that I I didn't know what to expect coming from the secondary on our pregame tailgate podcast. I said that by moving Hancock from the nickel corner into one of the outside corners that I felt pretty good about that. I wasn't 100% sure what they would do with Jermaine Matthews, whether or not he would come in and kind of rotate in. Maybe he would go and play a little bit on the outside in situations where they wanted to move Hancock back to a nickel corner, or if they would just let Sonny Styles do it throughout the game. And I'll have to go back and watch the film because it's tough for me to be doing the Lane Grant tweets and taking notes and, and watching everything where people are lined up, especially if they're not where the play goes. But every time that Jermaine Matthews was on the field, like he seemed to be making a play as far as I could tell. And while I certainly would like Denzel Burke back for the stretch, having gotten through this game with Jermaine getting in, got to feel pretty good about the future of that secondary in the cornerback positions. I, uh, if I'm looking at the stats here, Drew Aller was 18 for 42 for a total of 191 yards. Much of that coming on, uh, on the final drive, his final drive, 
Uh, looks like went 73 yards. I imagine much of that was passing. I don't have the uh, ability to break that down right now. But they threw the ball so much, which was a little surprising. Nicholas Singleton only had nine carries. Katron Allen also had nine. But when you start to mix in, they had uh, Lambert Smith had one rush. Drew Aller had seven. Some of those were sacks. He was sacked twice. They had only had really 19 rushes, 19 to 20-something rushes, which is kind of surprising when you think about what this offense had done throughout the entire season. They came in averaging 203 and a third yards rushing per game they were not a team that liked to throw the ball all that much when they did it was intermediate stuff so it wasn't like they were trying to go downfield all the time but i was really surprised that they allowed drew aller to throw the ball that much and obviously later in the game when you weren't doing things you have to kind of make some adjustments and and put the ball in the air but having seen drew aller throw during this game I kind of assumed that maybe they just wouldn't want him to throw the ball because he wasn't very good at it um, and obviously that probably has a lot to do with what the defensive line was giving up. We have kind of talked all year and actually for the last couple of years about how the defensive line was good and they were solid, and th- but they weren't necessarily making the big splash plays that you expect from an Ohio State defense to do. But they kind of did that all <laughs> during this game, both in the run game and in the pass game. I am some vi- I'm very impressed with how they were able to kind of stretch out the line when Penn State would either try to run it uh, on a stretch play to the sidelines or they ran quite a few uh, screens and, and and things like that to the outside. It was oftentimes defensive linemen. I mean, there was one play late in the game when Kenyatta Jackson, I think, was in coverage. Um, maybe it was Caden Curry. But like, if you're coming away from this game thinking Penn State's offense is terrible, that might be true. But to me, that is not the dominant lesson here they came in averaging over 44 points per game yes they played nobody but they did score 31 against iowa again there are caveats for that as well because they did get four turnovers and it was in the rain but ohio state gave up 12 points and and one touchdown late in the game in garbage time and again it was one possession so it's not like it was complete garbage time but that defense was tremendous as i kind of scroll through the stats here uh on defense Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers led the team in tackles. Tommy had eight, Steel had six, and then you had the cornerbacks. Davidson McNoson and Jordan Hancock both had five. Cody Simon, the other linebacker in that rotation there, was also in there with five. But then you see the safeties and the defensive backs all chipping in. Um, Just a really impressive effort throughout. We ended up seeing Tommy had a half uh, half tackle for loss. McNoson had a tackle for loss. Um, Cody Simon, Sonny Styles, Jock Pro- Josh Proctor all had one. Ty Hamilton had half of one. Kenyatta Jackson had one. Caden Curry had one. JT Tuimaloa had a, had a sack. Uh, from top to bottom, just super impressed with this defense. And really, the about face that it made in terms of what it was trying to do. Last year, we know that the bugaboo for the Ohio State defense was giving up big plays. That did not... It has not happened all season. Um, if I'm looking here, let me see if I can find out what Penn State had. They did have um, a few big plays. Let's look here. Um, in the second quarter, they had a 34-yard pass, and then they had nothing over 19 yards the rest of the game through the air. They had, in the first quarter, a 20-yard run, and that's it. So they had a total of six plays of 15 yards or more, 15, a 16, a 17, a 19, a 20, and then the one 34-yard completion in the first half. So again, 
Jim Knowles' defense is finding ways to limit big plays. And the fact that he has done that in a couple different ways this year is interesting because we know that Jim Knowles came into Ohio, his tenure at Ohio State being the guy that liked to bring a lot of pressures, liked to be aggressive, liked to be exotic in bringing guys from different angles. We saw last season that that is what one of the big things was that led to them giving up big plays. He decided to pull back on that this season. And yet, going up against the toughest offense that he has played so far this season, he started to mix those 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 blitzes back in. He started to bring more pressure. He was bringing it from linebackers. He was bringing it from cornerbacks. He was bringing it um, even from some safeties. And it worked. The guys got home and they got pressure. And while we would still love to see more than the the two sacks that they were credited, I oh know end up being four four sacks credited for because of that last drive. I apologize. Um, that's pretty great. Uh, a, a lot, a lot of those came on that last drive where they were kind of just throwing everything against the wall. But the pressure that they got so helped the secondary kind of just shut everything down. Uh, like I said, Aller had 191 yards passion, but he was only 43 percent completion, which was, you know, look, we've talked about as Buckeye fans about Drew Aller and how the fact that he's from Medina, he's a five-star guy. Ohio State didn't take him because they had Quinn Ewers at the time, and then he left. And then you guys, you, you've got guys like Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, who a lot of people don't think are, didn't think were up to Drew Aller's level coming into this game. Look, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get to to Kyle McCord, but out of those two guys, I look. You can we can we can nitpick Kyle McCord and talk about the things that he has to get better at, but I'm taking Kyle McCord over Drew Aller. Like there's there's no question about that. So as a whole, uh, incredibly impressed with this defense. Will be interested to see them continue to play against some um, some better offenses. The thing is, as I'm kind of pulling up the schedule here, got Wisconsin next week, and I think that'll be interesting. But Wisconsin, Rutgers. Michigan State and Minnesota, like those aren't really offenses that you think are going to challenge you. And then you've got Michigan at the end of the season. So you've got four games to kind of continue to refine things. But from a defensive standpoint, I don't know what else you can ask for uh, from a defense. Very, very impressed uh, by what that unit did, especially with the guy who I think has been the team's MVP so far this season, Denzel Burke, out. So you can give him some time to get healthy, give him some time to get back to 100%, and then have him for the stretch run. If he's got to sit out another week, maybe even two, not ideal because I think Wisconsin and Rutgers are, you know, if you're going to give me two game stretches, I would rather have him for those games rather than Michigan State and Minnesota. But you get him ready, you give Jermaine Matthews a little bit more time to get some some experience under his belt. As a true freshman, pretty good, pretty good. And, you know, guys like Josh Proctor, who have been much maligned during their 17-year career at Ohio State, he played pretty well um, and and very excited about what this defense can do. And I think the thing about this defense is that it can make up for some of the shortcomings with this offense. Clearly, this offense is not as good as it has been at all during Ryan Day's tenure, either that as uh, the offensive coordinator or as the head coach. If I'm going over to the stats, though, like Kyle McCord had a decent game. He was 22 of 35 for 286 yards and a touchdown. That's 63% completion. 
lots of missed throws. There are lots of missed throws. Like a lot of those incompletions were just bad throws from Kyle. He looked jittery at times. He looked like he wasn't setting his feet. But when you've got guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover to throw to, that can settle you down a lot when you have to. And we saw him step up in that fourth quarter and lead a, a pretty impressive drive with those two guys being the recipients of the ball quite often. Marvin Harrison Jr. finished with 11 receptions for 162 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Cade Stover had four receptions for 70 yards. And before the game, but Marvin Harrison Jr. had to be the focus of this offense. He had 16 targets, which was... Uh, at the minimum, <laughs> I think we said it in our Slack channel for Langrid, like he has to have at least 15. He had 16. That is what you have to do from there on out. Now, the offense still struggled. Like there is there is no question that the offense had its issues. But again, we are seeing a team that I think is still very much trying to figure out who it is and what it can do. I, I think that Ryan Day has had some issues trying to figure out which playbook he wants to run. I think because of the offensive weapons that you have, he has wanted to kind of go with the Justin Fields and or CJ Stroud playbooks. But as I said on Twitter during the game, and I've said it for weeks now, the Dwayne Haskins offense is the one that is going to fit Kyle McCord better. He is not a guy who has the arm strength or the accuracy of either Justin Fields or CJ Stroud to throw the ball deep more times than not. He is a he is much better suited to hit slants and and to connect on mesh routes and to even do some screens. I don't love the screens because I don't think they're blocked super well. The, you know, it's funny because I think Ohio State's wide receivers do a very good job blocking downfield. I do not think they do a very good job blocking on screens, whether those are bubble screens or more traditional screens or even running back screens. When we saw it today, again, that is not their strong suit. But that, I think, is what Kyle McCord does well. And we saw it when they started to run those plays, expecting him to drop back on a three-step drop survey the field and and hit somebody in stride in between uh defenders is not what he's he's especially good at not yet now he can get there i i still think that there's enough talent there for him to mature into a, a an above average quarterback uh, i don't think he's ever going to be cj stroud who i think is going to go on to be like probably a hall of fame nfl player i know it's early don't jump down my throat but like he, he can be a championship winning quarterback. We saw Craig Krenzel guide an offense that wasn't nearly as talented as this one with a defense that was extraordinary. And I think we have the makings of an extraordinary defense this year. We still have to kind of wait and see against a, a, a really good offense. Unfortunately, we're not going to see that until the last game of the season. If that's even really an extraordinary offense, because we don't really know because they haven't played anybody either, but I think the pieces are there. I, I'm still a little confused as to what's going on with the running game. We saw Chip Trainum start the game. He had nine carries for 22 yards. It's a 2.4 uh, yard per, per carry average. But then we saw Mayan Williams come in and have 24 rushes for 62 yards and a touchdown. But that's still just a 2.6 yard per carry average. I thought Mayan did some things that were really good, did the things that you wanted to see Mayan do. He was able to take some early contact and turn it into gains. I'm not sure if either of these guys are the right running backs. And I said this after the game last week when Dallin Hayden went off. I'm not sure that either of these guys are the ones that you want running behind this offensive line. I think the offensive line did a pretty good job in pass pro today. Uh, obviously, they had two sacks. Uh, they gave up two sacks. But for the most part, I, I, I felt like against a team 
that had a really good front, um, they did fairly well. But the running game and run blocking is where they've struggled all season. And the issue has been that they haven't been able to really open up holes. They haven't been able to get to the next level to block up to be able to create bigger running lanes to turn three-yard carries into 13-yard carries. Chip and Mayan are, I mean, look, Mayan, we've called a bowling ball, a meatball, chop, whatever. Chip is a former linebacker. These are not guys that are going to hit home runs for you. These are guys that are going to need to kind of create some sort, uh, have a lane for themselves and then meet somebody at the second level to run them over. When the, when the offensive line is not necessarily creating a ton of running lanes and a ton of holes for the running backs, I'm not sure that that's the type of running back that makes sense. Travion Henderson, I think theoretically the idea of Travion Henderson is what you want there, but he also has difficulty identifying the hole. His vision doesn't seem to be where you want it to be. So when he hits something, it's usually fantastic. It's usually great. We saw that in the Notre Dame game, but he often takes a, a, a far too much time to kind of get to that hole. That's why I thought the, the, the revelation that was Dallin Hayden last season could be something that the offense could use moving forward. And they didn't. I don't understand the idea of of redshirting him this year because if he does come out and is a stud next year, he's gone. Like he's he's gone, or he's going to transfer before that. I don't think he's going to do that. But I'm not sure what that is. But the running game is certainly something that has to be figured out, and that is part and parcel with the issues that happened in the red zone. Ohio State was four for five in the red zone, but. Three of those were field goals. Is that right? Let me double check this because my math is not super great. Um, two of them were field goals. I apologize. Two of them were field goals. And obviously they had the, the turnover on downs. That can't happen against Michigan. That can't happen in the playoffs against a, a Georgia or Florida State or whoever comes out of the Pac-12 or, or Oklahoma or whatever. Um, that has to be a, a point of contention. That has to be something that they get better at. So that's a combination of the fact that Ohio State's uh, sack-adjusted average was 2.3 yards per carry, and uh, they they could not convert in the red zone. That being said, I still think there are elements of this offense that could be good enough, combined with an excellent defense, that could be a championship team. There are things that need to get better without a doubt. But I I really, really think that this team has something. Like I I I I'm I'm kind of starting to drink the Kool-Aid. And I know we here at Land Grant kind of get a bad reputation at times because everyone thinks we're negative. I don't think that's true. I think it's we're more realistic than the, the the beat writers who are a little bit closer to the program and we have the ability to be a little bit more honest about what we see. But even if we are negative, like I'm kind of starting to buy into the fact that this team could be something special. Ohio State's best teams, Ohio State's championship teams are often the ones that have to do some progressing throughout the course of the season. They are not the ones that come in with all of the expectations. This is the the 2015 team was not the one to win the national title. It was the 2014 team. The 2019 team was not the one to win the national title. Uh, obviously it was in 2014, but you know, they had those issues too. So I, I just kind of start to think that this is a team that has the the building blocks to be something special. We are seeing the defense assert itself in ways that I honestly did not expect. I didn't think that they could make that big of a turnaround from all of the plays given up last season to what they're doing now. 
to be honest, the second or the uh, the offense is behind where I thought it would be. I just assumed that Kyle McCord would be solid. I don't know that he's there yet. I think he's average at best right now. Uh, and he gets bailed out. He might even get kind of bumped over average or too average because of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Cade Stover. But there needs to be a little bit more from that side of the ball. But like I said, they've got Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State, and Minnesota. Those are four games where they can figure things out. And will they? I don't know. I mean, if you're paying attention to what I write or what I, I say or what Lane Grant in general says, is like, I have questions about Ryan Day's play calling. I think that it has been on a steady decline since taking over as the head coach. And I think he has become far more conservative as a head coach than he was as an offensive coordinator. And that could be a problem. But if he actually does do the self-analysis like I think they are supposed to be doing after every game and looking at what works, it's the meshes, it's the slants, it's the quick hits, it's the digs. Uh, it's things like that to get the ball out of Kyle's hands quickly that also can negate any issues with the offensive line. And it doesn't force him to have to fit balls into tight windows. It's it's a, it's a rhythm thing, it's a drop thing. If he's open, throw it. If not, move on. Um, but if they can make those adjustments, I think this team is 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 championship material. I think that is not only just Big Ten championship material, but I think national championship material as well. Because if you look around the entire landscape of college football, there ain't nobody that scares me. I mean, there's nobody that really impresses me all that much. I mean, Georgia has looked pedestrian. Michigan hasn't played anybody, so we don't really know what they're all about. The teams out of the West are, are the West of the country, not the Big Ten West, because they're all terrible. But like... Washington or whoever comes out of the Pac-12, like they're going to be good, but like they don't scare me by any means. I would certainly love to see Michael Penix Jr. going up against this Ohio State defense. Like I think that would be a really, really fun, interesting matchup. So I'm coming out of this game feeling incredibly positive. I, I, I honestly, and look, I know the offense was bad today and this is that's going to prevent uh not bad they they were not not as good as we thought they should be and, and they didn't look good for a large part of the game so that's going to prevent this from happening but like ohio state's beaten two top 10 teams shouldn't they be the number one team in the country like legitimately like if you're looking at resumes and what has happened so far this season i don't know that you can say that there's a better team out there I mean, everybody has had had struggles. Michigan really hasn't had struggles, but they haven't played anybody. Ohio State has beaten two top 10 teams, and their defense is probably the best in the country. So I'm, I'm here for saying, that's it. I'm putting a flag. I am pulling a Baker Mayfield and putting a flag in the ground and saying Ohio State should be the number one team in the country. They should. They have the two best wins, uh, the best couplet of wins of anybody in the country. They have looked dominant on defense. They have the best wide receiver, the best skill position player in the country. Do they still have issues? Of course, everybody has issues. That's what makes this season so interesting and college football interesting in general is that everybody has issues. But I think this is it. Like, I think Ohio State is legitimately the best team in the country. Will they be at the end of the season? Who knows? Anything can happen. Playing Michigan is obviously going to be a, a big deal. Um, and the Big Ten is not guaranteed to have two, two teams in the college football playoff, although I think it is trending in that direction. But for me, I'm super pumped coming out of that game. And, and I think maybe onlookers will expect us to be negative about it because things weren't perfect. But I am nothing if not excited, rejuvenated, uh, reaffirmed. I picked the score to be 31-17. 
and honestly, if if we don't have a couple drops in the first half, if Kyle hits a couple more balls that he should have, I think they are well past that score. Um, so I overestimated the offense a little bit, but I think the thinking, if I'm going to pat myself on the back, was was on point. Like I think that it was accurate. So I'm going to wrap it up here. I've been talking for 25 minutes all by my lonesome, but I. I think if you are finding ways to discredit what Ohio State did in this game, that's a you thing. Like this team deserves all the flowers. It wasn't perfect. Of course, that's a caveat that you always have to have. But like if you're saying, well, Penn State's offense is terrible. Yeah, but you know when offenses look terrible? When they go against defenses that are better than them. That's how this sport works. That's how sports work. They looked terrible because they played a defense that was better than them had a better plan, had better athletes, and executed better. That's how this works. Um, the offense, numbers don't look terrible. They had 365 total yards, 286 through the air. Things got to get better. Kyle has to get better. Wide receivers got to stop dropping the ball. Rushing game has to get better. Red zone has to get better. Even third down has to get uh, has to get better. Six for 16 is what um, one – oh, God, don't make me do math. Two, there, that's um, – I don't know. I'm not even. I'm not even going to try to do math at this point. That's uh, three of eight, so one and a half and a quarter. I don't know. It's like thirty percent, something around there. Um, not great. So those things have to get better. But I think they have the possibility to do that. And I would much rather a team peak in November than peak in October. We have seen Ohio State offenses peak in October and then go downhill in the second half. So if you tell me that there is still room to go up. I'll take it. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but I think it's a possibility. So I'm signing off on saying Ohio State's the number one team in the country. If you disagree, come fight me. Oh, and one more thing special teams. Oh, God. Uh, look, I have long said uh, Gene Ross, who's my co managing editor at Linker and HolyLand.com, has been negative about having a full time special teams coordinator and especially Parker Fleming in general. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a wrong thing to have a special teams coordinator. Like I'm I'm fine with it in theory if that person can also help out recruiting in other areas and maybe help out in in coaching as well. But if you do, you he's got the special teams have to be great. Special teams have to be great. And week after week, special teams are bad. Uh SP plus had Ohio State is like 17th nationally in special teams, which makes absolutely no sense. But they're just bad. Like we saw it in kick and punt return or kick, uh, kick and punt coverage. We saw it in uh, Lorenzo Styles Jr. having the ball bounce off him uh, on a punt. We saw it in the missed field goal. We saw it in the short kicks. Like special teams has to get better too. Like not to go all Jim Trestle on you, but like it's one third of the game. It has to be good, especially when you're playing better teams and especially when you get into the postseason. And I consider Michigan the postseason at this point. So, all right, Ohio State, the number one team in the country, unquestioned as far as I'm concerned, unanimous unequivocal number one team in the country, the best team heading into the last week of October. And I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see this defense continue to grow. I'm excited to see what this offense can figure out because I do think there are things that are figure outable. If Ryan Day is willing to make the adjustments and Kyle McCord is capable of continuing to grow. I think he, you know, is he the guy I necessarily want there in a vacuum? No, I would I would want somebody more like C.J. Stroud. Uh, but with this quarterback room, I, I don't think Devin Brown is the answer, not yet at least. Um, Lincoln Keenholz, 
mean, I don't want to throw out a true freshman. Uh, Tristan Jebbia, like, no. So, like, I don't know what else you're going to get. So, people calling for Kyle McCord to be benched, like, I don't know what more – I don't know what you want. Like, this is not a situation where people are saying, like, you can't fire Ryan Day. Who are you going to get? Like, that's a completely situation, a different situation because there are a myriad of different options you can get that you don't even know about. You have limited options with with another quarterback. So I think you have to kind of go all in with Kyle McCord. I think they already are. Like, that's not a question. They already are all in with Kyle McCord. And you just have to continue to, to work on helping him see the field, helping him with his mechanics, making sure that he's always setting his feet, making sure that he's comfortable and not rushing. And that has a lot to do with his comfortability, his mechanics, but also the play calling and also the offensive line. So there are there are positives to continue to be had there and uh the defense can only you know hopefully get better because they are dynamite and i think the number one unit in the country at this point all right i'm signing off if you are watching this on social media thank you for following along make sure that you are following us on uh twitter and facebook uh and if you're hearing this in the podcast feed please make sure that you are following us wherever you get your podcasts um, we are bringing you episodes, at least one, two, sometimes three every single day. And because we are not beat writers, because we are bloggers, we are bringing you different insights and perspectives that you will not get anywhere else. You might love that. You might hate that, but it is honest stuff from true blue diehard Ohio state fans. And I think that's something that's important, especially when the beat reporters are incredible at getting out information. And I love the Ohio state beat reporters. But they have to worry about being objective and and not piling on things because they could worry about access and getting interviews and all of that stuff. So we don't, at least not for football. We do for for men's and women's basketball. But um, that's why the Langer Podcast Network and LangerHolyland.com are should be uh, invaluable parts of your Ohio State media consumption. So congratulations to the Buckeyes. I hope you all enjoy it. Go out and enjoy the rest of the college football Saturday, and we will be back to talk to you very soon. Uh, thank you for listening, and as always, go Bucks.